From inside the Melbourne club to outside and into the Bentley, it's Howie and the Moon Man. And of course me, Malcolm, the Prime Minister. The Winter Breakfast on Triple M. Oh, indeed. Good morning, Melbourne yep, town. Yep, 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 yep. You've got myself, Mark Howard and Lawrence Mooney for the next two weeks. So I'm looking forward to this because, let's be honest, Moons, we don't know each other that well, and now we're going to have to get to know each other on the wireless. Well, uh, people have said, you know, have you worked with Howie before? And I said, of course I have. <laughs> I spent a long summer yes. with him uh, at the cricket, and uh, we did a pretty good job, Australia versus Pakistan. Uh, and uh, I know you, actually, way back, because there's an, a league called Recklink, uh, oh, which brings course, together yes. uh, homeless and uh, men in crisis housing, from the Sacred Heart Saints to the Odyssey House Blues, there's, uh, there's about six or seven teams. Uh, the the, the prison's got a team out there. Out uh, at Malmesbury. Malmesbury, yeah. And I used to umpire. You did. And you would play for the Sacred Heart Saints. And oh, uh, pretty handy around the uh, packs. Never wanted to get into a push and shove style situation in that league, though, no. Moon Man. <laughs> I think as a uh, as an umpire, I was uh, assaulted, in inverted commas, a couple of times, where, you know, blokes who are struggling sometimes with their mental health too, would turn on the umpire and push him <laughs> or strike him. And I'd say, you're out for life, mate. Yes. That is it for life. And you go, well, oh, really? I'd say, no, nah, come on. Play on. Now, I did a story down there years ago with those guys and then started playing football with them during yeah. the week. A, a lovely bunch of fellas. You normally do this with Seb. I've done it with Duck in the past, the winter breakfast, and you've done it with Seb. I've, I, well, I'm a kingmaker. So what happens next, Howie, is you become a foreign <laughs> correspondent. Ooh. So I've elevated Seb. He's gone now. Fly, young man. Off you go. So if, if that's what you did for Seb... What have I done for Duck, which is going to turn your life around in a rather different direction, Moon Man? I'm not sure you at your stage could handle it, Duck's well, whole Duck lifestyle. Is, Duck is doing a terrific job at the moment, of course. At everything. Yeah, at everything, at yes. Everything. Um, I had an interesting day at the football, Essendon versus Fitzroy yesterday, also Fitzroy. known as the Brisbane Lions. And I say Fitzroy because... Uh, I met a man yesterday who did play for Fitzroy. He played his last game in the preliminary final against Collingwood in 1960, and his name is Tony Ongarello. Does it ring a bell with any of you? Tony Ongarello. Ongarello. No. Tony, uh, no. Okay, Tony Ongarello uh, was celebrated in my peer group uh, because I, I used to live with a f mutual friend of ours, Des Dowling, in Freeman Street, Fitzroy, and we'd go for a kick at the Brunswick Street Oval. And uh, his legend, Tony Ongarello's legend, became part of our... Uh, folklore, because he was the last man in AFL, VFL history to kick a goal with a place kick in 1955 was he? against Geelong. And yesterday <laughs> I met him and I went, you don't know how legendary <laughs> you are amongst all of me, my mates. So it's a pleasure to meet you. Beautiful man. He's 84 years of age, tall, striking, a, Italian origin, of course, and such a gentle gentleman. Just lovely to meet him. He was there with his son and his grandson. So three generations of Ongarello. So Tony Ongarello, if you're up and listening. Did you ask him about the place kick? I did ask him about the place kick. And he said he started to get the yips in front of goal. And so he went back to the place kick and had to, you know, dig the divot with the heel. Umpire, I'm going to take a place kick, put the ball in. You'd get, a, they'd take the man on the mark a bit further back for a place kick. Lucky they didn't have the 30-second rule. <laughs> no. Oh, and uh, Tony. he said, we had steel-capped boots. And so you could, you know, really lay into it. You couldn't kick a, like kicking a, a rugby ball, a, a Gilbert, or a, um, mm. what's the one that starts with 
Gilbert's Rugby Union, the one that's Steeden. Steeden. Yeah, Steeden Rugby League. They're a lot lighter than a football, so they're a lot easier to place kick. But uh, there you go. There's a bit of trivia for the, this morning. The last man to kick a goal with a place kick in AFL-VFL history, Tony Ongarello, alive and well, and had a victory yesterday for the Brisbane Lions. Uh, now, a victory for the Brisbane Lions. I presume you were there supporting the Bomberage yesterday. I did scream at the glass at one stage because I was invited along to the chairman's <laughs> lunch and uh, said swear words at the glass and turned around and went, oh, yeah, you're at a coterie function, maybe... There's a, you know, former <laughs> member of parliament, Lindsay Tanner. There's Sheeds trying to celebrate his 50 years. Maybe you need to wind your behaviour back a little bit, young man. Brilliant weekend of footy, though. The Hawks oh, over yeah. the Pies. The Tigers are in the top four. Big win by the Saints over the Dockers. Every time you turn up, Moon Man, as a supporter, you just don't know what you're going to get. It's been no. an unbelievable season. It was very good on uh, Saturday night watching the Tigers win because uh, Mrs. Mooney's a Tiger fan and uh, I enjoy... Um, some more comforts of home if the Tigers win. <laughs> She's in a much better well, mood. <laughs> they're in the top four, so <laughs> you've had right. a cracking year, haven't I have you? I've had a great year. I'll tell I you what, <laughs> she has been a rough 30 years prior to that, though. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was a long drought, Howie. Never we has were, a man wanted the Tigers to win more. We were slaughtering the cattle because we couldn't afford to feed them. <laughs> Moon Man, yesterday I'm at the footy. I'm trying to look mm. after the Sunday rub. Never has a group of five blokes talking about football been that distracted as they were because the MCG, in their wisdom, and thank you to them, had the fight on between Horn and Pacquiao, so he couldn't hear it. You could only watch it and try right. and decipher what was going on. And we, as the result was announced, you could only see whose hand he was held up. So it was an extraordinary way to watch the fight. And since I've been now, trying to position that... where it is in Australian sport... Well, let's just go back a moment. They didn't have the fight on during the football, did they? No, no. It was in the lead up to the football. Right, okay. And it was on in the commentary boxes, so I presume it was on in the corporate boxes. Um, a stunning win, a massive upset, um, and not surprisingly, a touch of controversy involved. Well, uh, you say controversy, but there was a unanimous points decision. Uh, 117, 111, 115, 113, 115, 113. 117, 111 is a big discrepancy. It's a big gap. Yeah, there's a, a six-point gap there. So uh, for what is considered a close fight, and really Jeff Horn was out on his feet at the bottom of the ninth or the end of the ninth round, and uh, the ref had come over to the corner. Uh, do you think the fight should have been stopped there? Are you Are you a... A pugilist. Oh, Do you like listen, fights? I follow it as a sports fan. I, I enjoy it. What I enjoy is when it's a fight like that. Often these fights get built up and there's two blokes hardly throw a punch. These guys yep. were throwing punches, throwing punches for 12 straight rounds. You were talking about the end of the ninth round. The ref did go up to Jeff Horn. This is what he had to say. Listen, I'm here to protect you, okay? Oh, show me something yeah. in this round yep, or yep. I'm going to stop the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, That's it. it. Jeff, you get you got to hold. You agree? Show me something. Without stating the obvious, it is a brutal, brutal sport. And at that stage, he looked out on his feet, which makes the win even more meritorious. Yeah. And, uh, of course, he was a great story, too, the way he'd come to boxing. You know, he'd gone into a boxing gym as a, as a bullied young man. And uh, they said, you've got something, son. And he proved it yesterday. Manny Pacquiao has come into our kind of like consciousness over the last few years. He's been busy on the canvas, though, hasn't he? He's had oh. a couple of big fights of recent times. Yeah, he has. And he's uh, just watching it yesterday. The thing about Manny Pacquiao was he's always just so fast, so fast. And I think he's mm. 38 now. And the boxers, for some reason, Moon Man, never know when to give up. There's no doubt he lost a bit of that speed. He's been a loose cannon, though, your man, Mackie, Manny, in the past. <laughs> this is a man that's owned... Strip joints, bars. Uh, yep. Yeah. Is dabbled in. Uh, now you said loose cannon. None of that seems to be uh, a good, 
solid business interests. Well, yeah, but I think and he's admitted that he's <laughs> he's taken illegal substance in the past, but he found the Lord. Um, right. And now he's being faithful to his beautiful wife and he's got things on track. He's a senator in the Philippines. He's worth a he lot of money. A, he loves a bit of karaoke too, as do many Filipinos. Do they? Yeah. I he can tune up many. Manny's. Yeah, he's a great is singer. Is he? Well, you've got to have something after boxing too, don't you? Because well, you go for well, as many paydays as you can before all of a sudden you can't uh, talk. Yeah, I don't think with half a billion plus in the bank that he needs to worry too much about life after mm. boxing. He was very, very, very gracious in defeat. He wasn't buying into the controversy. We just heard that from the referee having a chat to Jeff Horn. This is what Horn had to say about it post-fight. Look, I was more worried about the, the look on his face. I'm like, I'm actually not too bad. I'm like, settle down, everyone. I'm, I'm fine. So I was recovered pretty quickly by that stage. Yeah, uh, he did have a large gash uh, above his right eyebrow. Uh, there was a lot of blood, a lot of claret in the ring uh, during that fight. But as you said, it was a controversial decision. Boxing often is. Uh, huge crowd too saw uh, Jeff Horn take it out. But um, our man on ESPN, mm. uh, the American commentator, didn't think it should have gone his way. They gave a trophy, a win, a huge win to Horn, the local kid, for trying hard. You're not supposed to get it for trying hard. You're supposed to get it for winning. And I thought Pacquiao won the fight. If you go by the real rules, the Marcus of Queensberry rules, who lands the cleaner punches? Yeah, he's pretty strong. Yep, and uh, that is it. You shouldn't get it for trying. And I think he's alluding to the fact the ref said, you know, show me something in the 10th round or I'll stop the fight. And I don't know enough about boxing to judge who won or who didn't win the fight, but, you know, there was a, a unanimous decision. If you have a look at the punches thrown and the punches that struck the opponent, certainly that favoured Pacquiao. But at the end of the day, uh, Jeff Horn's taken it up to him. He's probably made 800000 they reckon, out of the fight. Manny Pacquiao takes $10 million out of the fight, Moon. But it was great to see Pacquiao say immediately after the fight, he will be back. He would... Uh, take the option in his contract for a rematch and that's where Jeff Horn will start to make the big bucks and post-fight calling out uh, Floyd Mayweather saying do you want to put these on boxing gloves or do you want to operate with this oh, a walking stick bit of show too well it was a bit <laughs> of show some go and some show well and props so he obviously was confident on the win any man that rolls up with props post-fight has probably been reasonably confident in their performance I would have thought Moon Man and they're calling it uh, bigger than Rocky in the Herald Sun too they're saying that uh, he's our Sylvester Stallone Jeff Horn. We're going to get hold of... And there of... he is with Adrian slash Joe, his yeah. wife. <laughs> Adrian! Adrian! We'll get hold of uh, people to do with this whole fight. We'll try and get hold of Jeff Horn himself. Um, an extraordinary result. I'm trying to position it in an Australian sporting performance. Certainly in boxing in my time, it's been the most impressive, biggest upset I've seen. And I said to you, possibly the biggest result in Australian boxing history, but you threw a couple at me. I would say uh, Lionel Rose defeating the fighting Harada in Tokyo. I think to win a world title... Uh, on foreign soil is a difficult thing to do because it appears that uh, domestic judges, you know, can sometimes favour the hometown boy. Uh, I'm not saying that about Jeff Horn's fight. I'm saying that in America, for example, it's almost impossible yeah. for a, a foreigner to win a fight. What I think it did do, though, is reinvigorate boxing due to the standard of the fight. Controversy comes with part of boxing, but I think both fighters at the end showed a lot of respect towards each other, a lot of punches thrown. It wasn't one of those fizzes. There was no real dodginess happening in the ring so it was good for boxing and yeah uh, they both seem like actually really good men who uh, respect their sport too of course Manny Pacquiao as I said before karaoke 
Doyen. And you come to me in a summer breeze. Keep me warm yeah. in your love with me. Yeah, it's me you need to show. <laughs> I miss your love. Wow. Well done by yeah. you for knowing that. Well done, <laughs> sir. How deep is your love? I tell you what, he needs to cop one below the belt to hit that note, doesn't he? <laughs> He's only a little Filipino. He's not going to get out there like old mate Barry White, is he? <laughs> How deep is your love? Making news at the moment. I'm going to read to you this so I don't get it wrong. The Cricket Australia Tour boycott. It's really blowing up this whole cricket situation. Australian cricketers will boycott an Australian A Tour of South Africa unless Cricket Australia takes action within days to resolve a bit of pay dispute. Uh, yesterday afternoon, players held an emergency meeting in Sydney where they threatened to boycott the Australian A Tour, scheduled to start on July 12. The Australian Cricketers Association say those players selected for the tour will go into training this week but will not sign contracts for the tour. There's about 230 cricketers now unemployed after the pay deal between CA and the ACA expired on Friday. We'll get people on to talk about this after 7 o'clock. But it, it, one of those things, Moon, that's just crept up, crept up, crept up, and now we're at full-blown disaster situation. And Cricket Australia are wedging the players with this political statement that they're trying to put more money into grassroots cricket. The players are saying, well, we sacrifice, you know, $30 million, so it goes into grassroots cricket. So that's not even an argument. They just say that uh, Cricket Australia is trying to treat them like a commodity. And so uh, we're going to talk about it more. I think if you want to hate someone in this, if you want to take sides in this fight, I think Cricket Australia are quite easy to dislike. Yeah, and generally, generally that's what Australians do. We look at a, a battle of employees versus the boss, and we go yeah. that way. It's they want to keep the twenty-year deal going, where they've taken a percentage of game revenue, which every other sport's trying to move away from, or has never had. Cricket Australia's trying to move away from that from the moment, but both sides waiting for the opposite side to blink, and no one's blinking. Yeah, which means. Uh, will we have a Ashes tour of Australia? Well, That's we'll be the covering. The, there's a lot of excitement in here because the Ashes will be covered on Triple M. I tell you what, we'll be turning up. Whatever, I'm not caring who. They I'm might throw it open on. to an amateur team. They That's might right. be taking blokes from the suburbs, the voice all over of Australia. The voice Absolutely. of cricket. Yes. Put your name down. Turn up at the Gabba on uh, Friday morning, and we'll pick the best eleven we can find. This isn't as absurd as it sounds. Today, apparently, Channel Ten is. Prime to go into receivership. Oh, thanks for that. This might be, yep, you're out of a job, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and this might be the moment when the Murdochs come out and go, do you know what? We're going to announce a rogue cricket competition to save the channel. World Series cricket, Mark Two on Channel 10. Well, if they do do that, I hope they keep an eye on a rogue cricket commentator, maybe me, and well, continue you, to pay the bills. You'll be the face of it. You'll be the new Richie Beno. You'll I'm be getting sure around in that. a fake tan and a safari suit. <laughs> I mean, you've already got the tan. Uh, but you'll get the clobber. It'll yeah. be, what a great idea that is. I mean, do it again. Cricket Australia tried this once before and it didn't end well. Yeah, interesting times. Mick Malloy has gone away and left his future he has. in my hands. Uh, I'm I'm standing in for him on uh, Winter Breakfast it, at Triple it, It's been announced that he's leaving Winter Breakfast, Is uh, the hot breakfast. Is mm. this an audition style for you? <laughs> oh. Let's get to Tin Tax here, brother. Listen, I can tell you, uh, well, I don't even know whether there's a job available. It might just be uh, Ed and Das next year. They might have gone, do you know what? We don't need this. This is not a wheel. coach's press conference. Are you auditioning for the role in here well, with me at the moment? Listen, we're taking it one 
show at a time. <laughs> oh, One break at a time. You're just sticking to your structures and processes. <laughs> hey, uh, I was well, watching. I don't uh, know. I, I, I can tell you I do not know, and that is dead set. So this uh, is not an audition. I am doing two weeks of window <laughs> breakfast with you. Because I hope your career is not tied to mine. Then I'm returning <laughs> to uh, Surgeon's Hours. All right. Uh, now, I was uh, hosting the MotoGP last night, so I didn't get to watch The Voice. Oh. In fact, I've never watched The Voice, let's be completely frank. But you, my friend, are a good studier of this type of show. So bring me up to date with what happened. Well, I heard it was first of all, it you, was a cliffhanger. You do know about the, the the Voice audition process. It's got a, It's a show where they can spin their seats around. I see. Who doesn't want to see that happen? But uh, unfortunately, it doesn't go for the whole show, you know. Mm. They only do it through the audition process, the spinning seats. But it is basically a singing competition. And last night, we found out who was the winner right. of The Voice 2017. The winner of The Voice is... Judah! And that was Judah Kelly uh, from Team Delta. Uh, a man with a beautiful voice. I, I think, you know, he's got some uh, Pacific origins and there's a lot of kids who are from Maori and Islander backgrounds and there's an amazing uh, ability to sing that comes from that culture. Let's have a little listen to Judah. Sometimes when we <laughs> no, that's, that's Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> you roll that gear out, you get the job that you're not auditioning for, my friend. Sharp for you. Uh, let's have a listen to the actual Judah Kelly. Yeah, that's enough of that. That's a terrible song. What does uh, he do? In, in serious, I'm not a voice watcher, but I love anything where people get to have a crack at fulfilling their dreams. I really do. I'm not saying that with tongue in cheek now. So what's he do, the big fella, when he's not singing? What does he do? I've I've no idea what his backstory is. Come well, on, you're mate. Coming uh, yeah. as a, an expert. See, I've come in late to the series, watched the grand final, well, I'm and I'm sure covering you're myself. A, a great studier of the show yourself. Well, what do you that, do, Rosie? Is that the one that lived in his car, or was that the other bloke? Well, there's always like you know, if it's Big Brother or the Biggest Loser. In fact, you know, some of those contestants on The Voice could. Anyway, uh, regardless of your reality program, there's always a sad backstory, of course. Okay. So, yeah, probably lived in his car. He's, you know, struggled with I'll put it to you, you're or... a fraud that you've chipped in and watched the last <laughs> half an hour of this series and not really bring a great deal to the table, Moon. You've, you've, you're right there. Um, <laughs> no, I'll just, first of all, I just want to say that Judah Kelly, good luck to him. Hopefully he has a stunning recording career and uh, can live off his art. Uh, like some of the previous winners of The Voice. 2016, Alfie Arcuri, of course. Sorry? Has, has gone on to great things. 2015, Ellie Drennan. She's a household name. Did she win? <laughs> Who was the first? Who? Guru, Alfie Arcuri. Alfie Arcuri? How's that working out for yeah. Alfie? Oh, you haven't got an uh, Alfie CD in the no, car? No, I don't. No? What, are you, what are you listening to? <laughs> Not Alfie. <laughs> <laughs> what about 2014's Anya Nissen? You'd be a big Anya fan, wouldn't you? No. Anya? No. No? So All what right, you're trying to there. say is winning this show doesn't necessarily... But what about my man that came in with Duck and I a couple of years ago, the delightful young man, Harrison Craig? Did he win The Voice? He did win The Voice, see? There you go. You're not in the dark. He was hanging out with Seal. He was on jets. He was on boats. He's kicked on. Yeah. Where's he man. playing next week? Um, 
at home. Oh, and some sure. of the people, uh, some of the voice fans will uh, attest to this too, that it's not necessarily about the contestants because it is a star-studded, a galaxy of stars are the judges, <laughs> including Delta Goodrum, Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child, your favourite band, Howie, mm, mm. Seal, and Boy George. Now, Boy George, a fascinating man, had huge success, has had trouble with substances, ended up being convicted uh, in a, a New York court and having to do some cleaning, or was it London? Mm, and, uh, yes. it, you know, he's bounced back, bounced back in a massive green felt hat last night. And uh, I like him. Are you a fan of Boy George? Oh, I'm a, culture a club. fan of the Culture Club. Yeah. But I, I put it to you that your man Seal is resting on his laurels. He's come out here a few times. He had the Rose song. And from what I've been told, as far as his judging performance go, he's probably been a little bit flat. Well, uh, Seal Seal used to have a, uh, a method of, of whispering in the ears of uh, the people that he was mentoring. Oh, and I think he's st- Yeah, a bit creepy. Uh, he stopped that now. But he's a man that, you know, had to struggle with a, a, a marriage breakdown. Heidi Klum walked away because wow. apparently... That's uh, going to shatter anyone. That's going <laughs> to You're hurt. not coming back from that. <laughs> like you are at the top of Mount Everest. Yeah. And then you're as low as you can go. But uh, I don't think Seal spends too many lonely nights, to tell you the truth. <laughs> right. I think uh, his reputation precedes him. Uh, he uh, His reputation he, as a whisperer? Or? Uh, no, as he likes to get out of the pants as soon as he can, I think. <laughs> I think they hold him back. Does he now? <laughs> Does he now? All right, nice summary of the voice. Uh, oh, pardon me. But I think that it, the voice should go down a new path. We're looking for Australia's real voice, the great voices like Frankie Walker. Hello, Frank Walker from National Tiles. Dennis Cometti. Like a cork in the ocean. <laughs> and uh, Craig Willis. Greetings, listeners. Craig Willis here. Now that is velvet. That's what we need. The new voice. So I want to, I want you to give us a call, one triple three five three. What is your favourite Australian voice? Mm. Give us a call. Tell us who it is. What about Craig Willis? What about Please the, be upstanding what about for the, the national anthem. That you said that the seal is very reluctant to stay in his pants. I enjoyed that. We've got Jake from Ararat. G'day, Jake. How you going? Who's your voice for 2017? I'd say Hinchy, Peter Hitchner. Peter Hitchner. He's, yeah, beautiful dulcet tones, Peter. It does a magnificent mm. job. I enjoyed the other night when the auto queue went down and Pete stuck the glasses on, went old school and did not miss a beat. Oh, went old Eric Pierce. He did. <laughs> he did go Eric mm. Pierce. Yeah, he's very self-deprecating too and a beautiful man. Good morning to you, Peter. We know he's a fan of the show. Michael from Wyndham Vale. G'day, Mick. Good morning. Who's your voice for 2017? Well, it might be hard to get hold of him, but um, Richie Benno. Oh, yeah. We love Richie. Hello and welcome. Welcome back. Two for 22. He's a yeah. star. I reckon that it's going to be hard to beat that nomination for mine. And uh, Daniel from Sunbury, finally. Who's your favourite Aussie voice? Oh, well, I know I'm aware he's a uh, character mm-hmm. rather than an actual person, but Russell Coit, the, the voice he has is classic Australian. <laughs> but, but I do agree with you. Can I just say as well, um, Craig Willis. Yep. He does the, um, the the on hold message for a certain financial institution, and if you ever have to ring them, it is an absolute pleasure to be on hold with them. There you go. Right. There you go. You can name the financial institution. Uh, Who is uh, it? The Bank of Melbourne. If you ring Bank them, of Melbourne. he does the, vo- the 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 on hold message for them. Yeah, is it? 
It's calming, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, you go, you ring Telstra, you put on terrible music. Mm. Oh, it's aggravating. Most uh, utilities companies, I think, to drive you off. Mm. But uh, welcome. Take it easy. Relax. We'll be with you in a moment. It's like, oh. I'm or well. an hour and a half. Yeah. You know what I enjoyed <laughs> about Daniel on. from Sunbury that you pointed out to us that Russell Coit is not a true individual, that he's yeah. actually a character, just in case anyone is was confused really? out there. Um, some tweet suggestions. Oh, yes. Josh Tortoni said, I nominate Pete Smith, Mr. Copperer. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Very good Pete. suggestion. Yeah, very, very uh, A few nominations Pete. for Franco Cozzo as well. Yeah. Forza Bulldog, you are the champion. Yeah. That was his video they did for the Bulldogs at the end of... Uh, oh, I'm and of course, Franco's back. Uh, he, he, you know, populated our childhoods, uh, North Melbourne and Footscray, but he is back in town. Mm. Brunswick, North Melbourne. Brunswick, a little bit uh, of a word through that I'm getting from a couple of mates that they were disappointed with your summation of the voice that you didn't mention. Katy Perry performed last night. How did she go? Well, Katy uh, came on uh, not great, apparently. Oh, come I, on. Uh, I, no, I missed that bit of the show. <laughs> you didn't watch a great deal, did you? Did you see Katy Perry? Rosie? I saw the end of the show. It had a bit of Katy Perry. I must admit, I think some of the uh, people who were performing as amateurs were better than who, Katy. What did you think of oh, Katy's new hair? Wow. I don't mind the hair. I don't like the purple outfit that she's spruiking in the paper today for her I like, shows. I like the short platinum blonde hair. It's a good look. Worked yeah. well for Annie Lennox. Yes, it did. Yeah. Cam Williams, the Channel 9 sports editor and cousin of my man, the hornbag, Jeff Horn, joins <laughs> us next to tell us all about that Right, fight. so he's tying his wagon to Jeff Horn's star. <laughs> and he's hanging on <laughs> for dear life, 21 after 7, Mark Howard. Uh, Lawrence Mooney. Yeah, Lawrence Mooney's the name, Mark. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just <laughs> Howie and the Moon Man. It's Get it right. Duck and you're very different to Duck. You're, you're, ha- you're, you're hanging it on the newsroom. Yeah. You've forgotten who's working beside you. <laughs> oh, well, the show's all about me. Jeff the Hornbag Horn, magnificent performance last night. Unanimous decision over Manny Pacquiao. His mother, Lisa, has spoken this morning to Channel 9. I just knew how, how happy Jeffrey would be and knew that we would have a good after party. <laughs> No doubt it was a great party and a cousin of Jeff Horn, as well as being Channel 9 sports editor and man around town. Cameron Williams joins us on the line. G'day, Cam. Not so much around town these days, guys, <laughs> but uh, but very, very happy. Uh, it, it was one of those real um, euphoric moments to be in that stadium yesterday. Not, not because I'm related to Jeff, but because it was just one of those really rare sporting moments where, uh, the, you know, the tension was there right up until they said, and the new... And people were just grabbing randoms and crying and hugging uh, Filipinos, embracing Australians. All, all this angst that's come out since that um, that Jeff, you know, cheated and that that Manny was robbed. There was none of that in the stadium yesterday. I saw lots of Filipinos um, quite happy with the result because they could see, you know, how proud the Aussies were. Yeah, and fantastically well received by the man himself, Manny Pacquiao. A man lost the fight, but I think he went up even higher in Australian estimations, Cam, the way he conducted himself in the ring post-fight. What about your man, Jeff, though? Just took it up right from the start. And we talked earlier on, Cam, sometimes these big fights can not live up to it. But by gee, there was two Warriors going toe-to-toe for 12 straight rounds. It was brilliant viewing. It, it was one for the ages, wasn't it? I mean, it was. they called it the the Battle of Brisbane, but we got the whole war. They, they smeared mm. in blood. It was pretty primitive. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing that from Jeff and Manny, they both had something on the line. Manny wanted to show that he was still at 38, a worthy, you know, box office type boxer to uh, to get a rematch with, with Floyd Mayweather, which would be a big payday for him. And if Jeff, even if he lost, he wanted to prove that he was also an entertaining class fighter who was worthy of putting on American programs. So 
I think they both went hammer and tong. And, you know, the, the people who feel that, that uh, Manny was robbed, they, they really do forget just how hard Jeff went at him early in, the, yeah. in that fight. It was brilliant to watch, wasn't it? Well, Cam, we're very happy that you've stepped out of Jeff Horn's shadow and you're establishing yourself now. <laughs> um, have you ever, does, the, does the, uh, the DNA extend to the gloves? Have you ever climbed into the ring yourself? I have. <laughs> and uh, and and I and I. What are your results? Climb back out of it, mate. I was carried out of it. <laughs> Who did but, you no, go up against? No, I, I've I've only ever had muck around fights, mate. I've never right. ever been uh, a warrior like Jeff, and neither was he. Right up until the point that uh, he walked into Glenn Rushton's gym, he'd he'd been pushed around and and ha- you know hassled at school, but he'd never actually been in a fist fight. He didn't know that he had this talent, and it's really just the happy circumstance that he walked into this martial arts gym one day and Glenn Rushton spotted something in his eye and thought, I can take this guy all the way. And I guess it's a whole lot of dedication and hard work as well. Yeah, well, you know, the the sweat and the blood that he's shed, it's uh, it's a sacrifice not many people are willing to make. Mm. But uh, he, he's got that real quiet determination and he, he's someone that all Aussies can be proud of. He's, he's spared income, you know, in the, the true old sense of the word. Yeah, conducted himself brilliantly as well. There was no one really to dislike in this fight, Cam. Both sort of strong, vibrant, friendly personalities. Uh, boxing often comes down to the paycheck. Rumoured that Manny was going to get $10 million either way, that Jeff would get 500 maybe an extra 300 for a win. But the next fight, Cam, is all important because that's when your man can cash in. Yeah, well, they got 200,000 pay-per-views in Australia this time round. Right. Uh, don't you reckon all your mates will want to load up and watch that again? I, I definitely would. So, you know, I think Jeff's guaranteed in the contract uh, a base salary of uh, $2 million next time they go around. Mm-hmm. But he'll, have it, he'll be the one with the, uh, with the bargaining chip that he'll be able to, uh, you know, get all those bonuses that Manny's got this time around. So it's, um, it's an extraordinary payday coming for him. And if he can win a rematch, that's if Manny's got the appetite for it. He may not, you know. And they earn every cent of it because it was on for young and old, and it looked so uh, Las Vegas too yesterday, a sellout crowd at Suncorp Stadium, the roof there, the beautiful weather, it looked terrific, so good on them. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Um, it was one of those um, real moments in time with the, the sunlight on the ring and everything. Yeah. It was truly, as you say, a, a Vegas feel to it all. And did you get a chance to have a chat with him after the fight, Cam? Or it was too, yeah. uh, how was he? How was he? He, he he was really really relaxed after the fight. Um, he's the same bloke uh, out of the ring that he that he you know when he came back in as a world champion. He, he hasn't changed uh, one iota. He's a he's a very quiet, relaxed, modest sort of a guy. Uh, but he's got this hornet personality that he puts on for when he gets into the ring because he's he's no natural killer by any means. And uh, and after the fight, I said to him, "Did you?" Did you and Manny exchange any words out there? And he said the only thing he kept saying was break, break. But I thought, hang on, sunshine, the ref calls break, not you. So I kept clinging to him. <laughs> I love it, Cam. It's a great yeah. Australian sporting story and very nice for you to bring us up to date exactly what occurred. You enjoy the rest of your day down at there at the Nine Network and uh, pass on our, all our congratulations because it was a brilliant sporting event for a really, really, really tough Aussie. Pleasure, guys. Great to be on the show. Nice to speak to Cam Williams. I like it. I like a good Australian sports story, Moon Man. It's on the front page where it Mm. should be. 
what can we bestow on him? You can no longer be a sir in Australia. What can we bestow? Well, you're trying bestow? to take the hornet off him and, and give him the horn bag. Works. I mean, Works. It does, not it? Works. I mean, but Why that's not the front page of the Herald Sun, I don't know. It's very easy to do, uh, you know, a, a symbol of a hornet, though. What is the symbol of a horn bag? Just a picture of you, Big Daddy. <laughs> Moo Man, you've come in today and you told me you're quite interested in Donald Trump. The fact that the man's president is mm. interesting in itself. He's hit up Twitter again overnight. Now, what time before we get into the tweets are these tweets going out? Well, uh, it seems that uh, he's not following what happens in the Mooney household, and that is no tweeting after four standard <laughs> drinks. Well, uh, that he, does he need a tweet Eliza? Where does is it purported that he does enjoy a, a I, Kentucky I, straight bourbon whiskey? Well, I think or he's a non-drinker. Is he a non-drinker? Well, purports to be. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you think he's having a couple I'm of not sure. frosty ones post the big. Uh, well, it's interesting tweeting at two or three in the morning from but, um, the press. Often, what's indicative of uh, drunk tweeting is, uh, and I can speak from personal experience, <laughs> is you get up in the morning and what you think was a well constructed sentence uh, has misspelt words and missed words <laughs> and words, you know, flipped around and spoonerized. But his, uh, for all their madness and uh, bad taste, are quite well constructed and well spelt. So. Uh, he carried on with uh, his abuse of Joe Scarborough and Mika. From the morning show? From the morning show saying that, uh, you know, she turned up bleeding from a facelift and he was a, a psycho. Just um, low rent stuff. Really low rent mm. stuff. And that's where a lot of Republicans have come out over the weekend and said, no, 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 we can't have this. It's just not presidential. No. It's uh, really not fitting of the office at all. I wouldn't have thought But he's so. continued on one day ago. Uh, crazy Joe Scarborough. And dumb as Iraq, dumb as Iraq Mika, uh, are not bad people, but their low-rated show is dominated by their NBC bosses. Too bad. I love that. How he just a little bit of too bad or sad at the end. Hashtag sad. And now what he's thrown out there, a GIF. He's gone into the GIF department. I said, what does GIF stand for, Rosie? Uh, generated something file. Right. Gener uh, anyway, hang on. I'll look that up. Okay. So by. he just sent out a GIF. Don't go asking people what acronyms stand for. That <laughs> is graphics a... interchange format. There you go. Well, he sent out a graphics interchange format uh, last night, uh, which is an altered version of himself appearing at a WWE wrestling event in 2007 in which he attacked franchise owner Vince McMahon in a scripted appearance. But the animation appears to have been posted to a pro-Trump internet forum earlier in the week. And instead of having the face of Vince McMahon, he's covered it over or someone's covered mm. it over with well, a picture of CNN as if he's belting CNN in a wrestling situation. And uh, it's been condemned by CNN and some journalists' guilds by saying he's inciting violence against journalists. I think that's probably a step too far. Everyone knows that a gif is fun and that he's having a bit of fun Have you in seen the White House. House of Cards? I have seen House <laughs> of Cards. I'm not sure which is reality and which is fiction at the moment. Well, uh, House of Cards season five, uh, spoiler alert too, you've come in this morning, you've told me about some tryst. Well, some... unusual one. We don't want to get too far into that. That's right. We don't want to spoil it. But <laughs> is he just taking everyone's eye off what's actually occurring over there by sending out freaky tweets? That's what people say, that it's the old uh, switch and... What is that saying? Uh, look at one hand, yeah. not the other type yeah. situation. It's a distraction, and that's what he's full of. And whatever he's doing, he lurches from one crisis to another, but nothing seems to stick to him. They're all talking about impeachment. And, you know, remember the, the Russians uh, and the whole spy scandal? And on he goes with this kind of, like, distraction stuff, throwing Burley in the water, as uh, Jason Bennett said. Extraordinary. 
kids, if you're out there and you've got your school holidays and people are telling you you need to be doing your mathletics like my kids, the pickle yeah. and the big penguin are told, or practicing their readers, etc., don't. Head to your local basketball court, and I'll tell you why, Moon. Get under the ring. Get under the ring and start shooting hoops. Because over the weekend, a couple of Aussies signed deals in the NBA. Just have a listen to these bad boy numbers. Okay. Paddy Mills signed, re-signed with San Antonio, 65 million US dollars. Okay, that's a... That's an eight-digit number. That is. That's up nearly at a hundred million Australian dollars. Joe Ingalls, Utah Jazz, fifty-two million US dollars. Yep. Extraordinary numbers. Hence the reason I say you don't want to be going to school. You want to be playing basketball. The money over there. The and what money are you saying? That he's going to Steph Curry. He's on an enormous amount of money over there. And congratulations, they did every set they can get. Now uh, it's okay for a bloke like you to say get under the ring because you know you stand at what six-two, mm. svelte, athletic. Ripped. But for little blokes like me that were, you know, uh, it was between me and maybe one other who was going to sit behind the board in the school photo. (laughs) What are we going to get on the growth hormones, are we, to try and pull down that kind of money? Golf. Golf. Head down the driving range and start hitting your ball. The money that the athletes are getting paid Can you be little and play golf? Of course you can. Craig Parry, look at him. About four foot tall and about 115 kilos. Made a lot of money, Craig Parry. Right, okay. So So you can be short and stubby. So I tell yeah. you, you should have gone into golf. Absolutely. I should have gone but into incredible golf. But was... the amount, incredible the amount of money that's being paid to our athletes now. Are these the uh, highest paid Australian sports people of all time, Howie? Well, they've been getting to close you. to it mm. now. I guess if you have a look, the names that you'd throw in there, uh, Mark Webber was probably on about $8 million with Red Bull in F1. That's probably what Daniel Ricciardo's getting, a big listener of this show. Andrew Bogart has signed big deals in the past. But you've got to Bogues. be playing international. Now, when it comes to... Uh, the AFL Players Association calling for a bigger cut of the money and Cricket Australia, which we're going to drill down on a little bit later on in the show, Mm. at loggerheads with uh, their employees, Australia's great cricketers. People do tend to have very little patience for a sports person's pay claims, don't they? (laughs) They do, but unfairly so because they're elite at what they do. You look at who's elite, running but, uh, the banks in Australia and how much they're getting paid. They're elite at what they do. Mm. They're at the top of their field. Paddy Mills, Joe Ingalls at the top of the field. They deserve to get paid the big bucks. Have you got a problem with it, have you? I, I do not have a problem with it, but I can understand people sitting bumper to bumper on the West Gate or out on the Eastern Freeway today thinking, well, who gives a rat's ass about the cricketers? You play cricket for your country. Isn't that good enough? You're doing what you love. Take your your fairly large paycheck now and go and beat the Poms. Yeah, but you deserve every cent you're worth because we'll be tuning in to watch the Poms. We'll be tuning in to be entertained by these good folk. What's the so, top What's the top comedian get paid? Well, Jerry Seinfeld's coming out to Australia, sir. Are you talking cashy <laughs> or through the books? <laughs> that's um, a good point you made. <laughs> now, can you tell me what it is exactly the Australian cricketers want? They, do they want a bigger slice? No, they don't of... want a bigger slice. They want a current percentage deal, which has been in place for the last 20 years, a percent of revenue. That's a basic explanation of what's happening. When you say revenue, that's the rights paid to broadcast Well, there's cricket. all sorts of revenue streams, and this okay. is what's being debated now. But for the last, I think, 20-odd years, they've had a percentage of the revenue stream. The AFL players weren't able to get that percentage. That's what the cricketers are looking for. Which also includes attendances. 
includes broadcasting all sorts of rights. Things. So basically, they're saying and your uh, signed cricket bats in the caravan outside. That's exactly right. But I think basically what the cricketers are saying is we want to do everything we can to grow this game. And if we grow the game, we deserve to take a percentage of the money from that growth of the game. And I think that you know, cricketers like footballers do have a limited window in which to earn. So you want to make hay while the sun shines. No doubt. And but I, still, I, I, it's I a think... very hard cause. I mean, they're in they're in groups like university students, uh, you know, groups that don't get any sympathy. Sports people with a pay claim, they're up there. Who else doesn't get much sympathy? Politicians. Yeah, politicians. Politicians caught uh, diddling the travel expenses. And showbiz people are speeding down CityLink at 170 k's an hour. Uh, was that you? That was me, yeah. <laughs> what did you get fined for that? I got fined $1,000. Lost my licence for 12 months. Had to do a safe driving course. Had my car impounded. Have you learned your points. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Uber. Moons, the voice discussion you've been mm. bringing to the table was blown up. Absolutely. Uh, we, we are not only after the voice, we're after the great Australian voice because, uh, as I said earlier in the show, we, Judah Kelly, congratulations on winning the voice 2017. By the way, controversy. Uh, Katy Perry, who performed live on the voice last yes. night, was seen walking through the airport whilst appearing live on Channel 9. Oh, Take some real how, skill. Oh. How can you be in two places at one time? It suggested that maybe it was pre-recorded, that live performance. So she was pre-recorded walking through the airport, was That's she? right. And uh, they got the hologram up uh, just to know she was at Sydney Airport on her way to... Um, and now she's doing Sunrise. She's doing Sunrise. She's, she's all over the place. She, she is. is terrific, Katy she Perry. Uh, but we've been asking you who the great Australian voice is. So far we've had... Uh, Richie Bonneau has mm-hmm. been nominated. I've nominated Frank Walker. Craig and Willis. Craig Willis. The velvet tones of Craig Willis. Rosie, we've got some other We do. BK Hawks 70 has taken your Richie Benno and has uh, put up Billy Birmingham because oh. of all of his fine work. Morning, fellas. Yes, very good morning. Good morning, Richie. Richie. <laughs> yes. Uh, I could listen to that all day. That is your top shelf gear, that is. <laughs> the very first album of The Twelfth Man. Very, very funny. I did a commentary stint in Dubai last year. Uh, oh, with, yeah, we've all got stuff okay, on, mate. Okay. With, with, with <laughs> yeah. a great, uh, Jeez, here we go. With a great Pakistani called Amir Sahail, who Billy Birmingham used to take off. Right. Hail, hail the great man. And I was asking about this on air, and he said the Pakistanis of the time, Wazi Akrim, uh, keeping the teeth in the jar beside the bed, they used to travel in the bus in Australia while they were touring and would play the 12th man oh. on a cassette because they loved it so much. Wow. Laughing all the way. And Laughing see, all the way. people will spring to our age saying cultural insensitivity, racist overtones, when you've got the Pakistani guys who are being sent up by Billy Birmingham, loving it. Loved it. Maybe we need to take a step back and cool our heels. Any other suggestions, Rosie? Lots more on Twitter at MM Hot Breakfast if you'd like to contribute. Janelle has tweeted saying, the MasterChef voiceover dude. Next up on MasterChef. Tomorrow night... It's about to get a whole lot harder. Mm. If you're ever in Canberra, tune into Mix 106.3 up there, uh, part of the larger Southern Cross Old Stereo family, because Wilco is doing breakfast. That's the man who is the MasterChef voice. I'm across it all. How he just loves well, you know, the minute trivia that no, you I know. You know what I'm laughing about is, as I said at 6am, we don't know each other that well. For the first time, you've put your glasses on, and not yep. only have you put them on, they're half they're, fogged they're up, brother. Up. Oh, yeah. well, you've got fog on your glasses, which is distracting me a touch. 
Well, uh, geez, is it hot in here or uh, is it just me? It might be you, Howie, because yeah, uh, those those legs sticking out the bottom of those shorts. Yeah, well, the shorts clearly haven't had a washing machine in about oh, three weeks. Morning. Two more suggestions <laughs> for the Voice of Australia. Aaron says, Alf Bloody Stewart. Flamin' Mungrel, Flamin' Menace, Flamin' Galah. Yeah, I, I like it. Kitty Leaper's tweet though. She has suggested this as the voice. John Farnham. Oh, clever. Clever. And of course, uh, we can't forget some of the great Australian female voices. Julie Gillard. Uh, Lisa Wilkinson is one that I would suggest too. Oh, her dulcet tones. Did you throw Frank Walker, the tire bloke, in there? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was building a house six or seven years ago. Hello. And I refused to go to that joint because it national got tiles. National tiles. I wouldn't go. Why wouldn't you go to the national said, tiles? I just whipped down to national tiles. I said, I'll buy a tile Hello. from anywhere else <laughs> really? except that joint because that voice drives me around the freaking <laughs> twist. Anyway, it's not the time or the place to be discussing <laughs> that. That is great. Does Frank put money into this network or not? Okay, well, we love national tiles. Yeah. National tiles geez, is awesome. Cha- oh, they're fantastic. Hello. But change yeah. the voice. No. A man's proud of his business. Good on you, Frank. Good morning to you. Moon Man, I've got a man crush, and I'll state it right now. I'm hey, Howie, it's guest. all right. You're only human. Not on you, Tubby. Not on you. Just quietly. Our next Tubby guest, Taylor. just quietly, WBA light heavyweight, former champion, IBO cruiserweight champion, and interim super middleweight champion in 2003 and 2005. The Green Machine, Danny Green, joins us on the line now. How are you, Big Daddy? Good morning, Howie. How are you, buddy? Oh, how are you this morning, brother? Um, I'm a bit tired. <laughs> long day in the sun commentating. I had the best seat in the house yesterday, thankfully, and it was a long day because the sun was beating down. It was it was it was a really hard, hard, uh, hard kind of thing not to get out, go out the bar and get a, get a frosty. But um, we toughed it out, and um, it was just uh, an incredible day, mate. It really was. Jeff Horn was just superb, and it was a great fight. And there's a, I've heard like, there's a lot of I guess um, speculation, but I had Jeff Horn winning the fight. Danny, the fight itself, before we get to the controversy, and there's always a touch of that in the sport that you love and know so well, it was just punch per punch, hit for hit. It was a wonderful boxing spectacle, which sometimes it isn't when the big fighters and the big names get together, but yesterday, boxing fans would have loved what they were seeing, surely. Without doubt, the boys delivered. They had a, and, and, you know, Manny Pacquiao's an all-time legend, and I'm not sure, I, don't know, I haven't seen the punch statistics, so I don't know what all the, all the um, I guess, speculation's about. Well, just on that, Danny, uh, you said you had um, the horn bag, Jeff Horn winning. Uh, tell us how they score a, a boxing match. Is it just on hits? Sometimes I don't know, mate. Sometimes judges have seriously got their their um, you know their their beer goggles on by the looks of it. Sometimes right. because the oh. uh, you were just saying you don't know the stats. There, post-fight stats reveal Pacquiao. Almost double Horn's number of punches. He landed 182 to 92. So yeah, it's see, a fair I, difference. I, I, 90, yeah. 90 punches. Well, yeah, I haven't seen the punch statistics, so it's really hard to say. But generally, the score, and they score each round as it is. So you get 10 points. Each fighter gets a 10-point must system. So they score either 10 points. Right. Who wins around gets 10. The other guy gets 9. If he really gets beaten up badly, the other guy will get 8. If he gets dropped... The other guy gets eight, the other guy gets ten, he moves two points ahead in that round. So and sometimes they give an even round, they'll give ten ten, they make it an even round. So I had Jeff Horn um winning more rounds than many pack headed, but that was just my view. I was sitting there and I was obviously pretty passionate and very, very um very intense when you're sitting there commentating the fight blow for blow. Mm-hmm. So it was kinda of hard to score, but as far as I saw it, I saw Horn was a deserved winner. 
where do you rate a fight and a performance like that in the history of Australian boxing, Danny? Obviously, you went to Germany and you've travelled overseas to fight. Jeff's fighting in his own backyard. But for an upset, gee, it's hard to figure that there's many more that have been more surprising. Yeah, it was just incredible. And I, and I, I went and saw the young fellow last night after the fight, and I just I know how he felt because when I beat Roy Jones, no one gave me a chance. Mm. It was like I think I was even greater odds from from what Jeff was with Manny yesterday as an underdog. So it's such an amazing feeling, and for him to do it, I mean, his family, his team, his friends—they just have the best the best feeling. Money can't buy it, and um, it was just uh, it was just beautiful to see because he's a, he's a great young kid. So uh, he's got a big career ahead of him. Uh, he he threw down the gauntlet to Floyd Mayweather yesterday <laughs> with a with a walking stick and a boxing glove. I didn't see that, so I couldn't hear because I was obviously ring, ringside and there was people everywhere. So all I heard was Floyd Mayweather's name. So I didn't hear actually what was said. But um, you know, who know, who knows what's going to happen? It just he's got the he's got the world ahead of him. He's got a massive future, and and good luck to him because he works so hard. He's just a, he's a ripping young guy. Danny, where does he go from here? And I know, I know you've had people around you that you've known for a long time that you can love and trust because in the past it hasn't always worked out for boxers. The next fight is so important. Do you think you'll fight Pacquiao in a rematch or a head off to the States? What do you think the best step next is for Jeff Horn? Um, financially, you know, you want, to, you want to get the biggest bang for your buck and, and you yeah. know, you're getting punched in the face. You, know? you, want to, you want to make each fight count. So I think financially... The, the, it makes sense if he was to have a rematch with Manny Pacquiao. I don't know whether Floyd's going to fight anyone else after Conor McGregor. He doesn't need to. Um, I just, that, that might be a long shot, but who knows? You never know. But I think the rematch with Manny Pacquiao makes sense financially. I, I have never heard boxing summarised more succinctly, uh, Danny, than if you're getting punched in the face, you want to be making good bucks. <laughs> You do, mate. You do. Talking about, talking about uh, while we've got you on, Greeny, Mayweather versus McGregor, a boxer versus a UFC fighter. Good for the sport, bad for the sport, doesn't matter. Oh, it's a hard one. It's not great for boxing. It's it's it's, it's much better for the MMA guys. Um, it's it's just all completely about the money. There's nothing else to it. There's no there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just something. Um, it makes and financially, and they're going to do it, and that's the way she is, and, and everyone's going to watch. Ever been lured into the uh, toward the octagon, Danny? Uh, no, I haven't, mate. You get yeah, you talk. People talk about it, like kind of stuff. And no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a purist, man. I love the sport of boxing. Um, you know, that's, that's that's what I did, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't get in the cage, mate. And before we let you go, Greeny, have you been getting any waves on the Wild West Coast or not? Man, I haven't. I I, I, I set my um. Uh, anterior ligament surfing up the abrolis about two oh, months ago, Harry, so oh. been out of action. Oh. So it wasn't you that took the young Frio docker down uh, when he was meant to be at training to yelling up to get a few waves? I thought that was magnificent work. No, I didn't see that. What happened there? Yeah, Connor Blakely uh, said to the dockers that he uh, was sick and had to leave training, and a couple of hours later he was getting shacked at yelling up. Mate, when it's pumping, you got when you got it, when, when it's on, you got to go. You know how it is, Howie. Well, that's exactly <laughs> right. I was a lone voice saying that the club did the wrong thing by giving you a hard time. Danny, we appreciate your time. A wonderful moment for Australian boxing, and great to chat with you as always. Thanks very much, boys. Have a great day. A very delicate issue is being played out at the moment, and there's a lot of information floating around from both sides with the Australian Cricket Association and Cricket Australia seemingly at loggerheads at the moment. Mm. Moonman over the new pay deal and getting a continued percentage of revenue. It's not an easy one for the average punter to understand, to be completely honest. It looks like it's shaping up as a good old-fashioned industrial dispute now because uh, the the cricketers have taken umbrage at the, you know what the Cricket Australia has... Uh, 
has a pro- their approach to the whole dispute, and they're talking about boycotting or even striking. And uh, yesterday on Offsiders, I thought that Gideon Haig, another one of your man crushes, mm. uh, because you are a massive cricket fan, I thought he summed it up beautifully. We see Cricket Australia for what it is, which is a powerful commercial organisation asserting its, um, its monopoly powers over employment of, uh, of cricketers in Australia and squeezing them like short-term contractors who they want to, to, um, to re- bust to the ranks. And um, there's something really crass about that. There's something really regrettable about that. Um, they've willfully caused their most valuable assets hurt and distress. And I don't think anyone can feel good about that. This has been launched in the name of grassroots cricket. And yet what could be more damaging to grassroots cricket than the erosion of our day-to-day connection with the players who represent us. Yeah, that was Gideon Hay yesterday on the ABC. A wonderful voice and a wonderful writer about cricket. Joining us on the line now is cricket superstar Brad Hodge. Good morning, Hodge. We appreciate your time. How are you, mate? Good morning, Howie. Good morning, Moon. Kids off morning, to tennis. Hodge. Everything under control? Yes, yes. Well, I'm glad I, I missed you last night on MotoGP, so you heckled me early in the morning. That's good. Yeah, well, I disappointed you weren't watching the moto <laughs> last night. Now, Hodgie... For those that are in their car this morning, driving off to work and thinking, you know, what are the cricketers on about? They get paid well. From the cricketer's point of view and from your point of view, what's the gist of this argument? Well, the gist is basically is that um, most of it is about an overhang of of money, a pool of money that's come over the revenue share. Um, And that money is getting distributed out to players across five years and I think that's the bottom line of where Cricket Australia fundamentally struggled to deal with that but it's money earned and the way that I look at it and the way most people should look at it is that if if everyone has a win then that's a positive if I have to fork out a little bit extra to the players then that means that all have achieved their goals including Cricket Australia to be able to for them to make an extra percentage of money means that the players have done a good job and they get an extra percentage. It's just a little bit like a Christmas bonus, I suggest, mm-hmm. for any normal punter that works down Collins Street. But getting Haig was, was spot on. Um, yeah, he was absolutely spot on. And I think one of the things that we need to understand, and, and he did say it like they are a commercial machine, but the facts are is that Cricket Australia still remains a non-profit organisation. So um, they are flexing their muscles, and that's probably due to a couple of people within the board um, that have been in this union position before. Um, one of the gentlemen was on the, was high up in uh, Rio Tinto, so he's dealt with these unions a long time ago. And uh, I guess he knows this position well, and he thinks that he can flex his muscles, but the players, to their credit, have been strong. And it's not about the current players and filling their pockets right now. There was a lot of work done back in the early 90s between Mark Taylor, Shane Warne, Steve War, to enable this position to be put in place to make sure that all the cricketers across the board um, get paid. And it's difficult being a professional sportsman because, as we know, we don't all make it to the top. And there's only been uh, 450-odd cricketers ever to represent their country at test level over over 100 years. Mm. So it's not many. Um, So what we're trying to do, basically this model, is to branch it out to make sure that those that want to try and and chase their dreams and give their life to cricket in the short term are not in financial trouble 
five to ten years down the track, which can happen in sport. So, Hodgie, we're talking about uh, players at the lower level, as explained to me by Howie, too. You know, top-line cricketers are obviously on fairly lucrative uh, packages, but we're talking about Sheffield Shield cricketers and cricketers who are, you know, in and out of teams. Uh, we're yeah. talking about giving them some a safety net, as it were. Absolutely. I mean, there's, I'll, I'll give an example of a Victorian who's given his, a fair bit of his life to cricket and made a huge impact in cricket and, and played, what, two tests, which is Bob Quiney, and probably hasn't achieved what he wanted to get out of the game, but's given an awful lot, not only to himself, but also to other, other players around Victoria and other junior players around Victoria. Um, and sometimes, look, it doesn't it don't, doesn't always go your way. I mean, if you had to play that hook shot and it goes for 60, yeah. it goes on the mega 100, you go and play 50 tests and all's rosy, but it doesn't always work out that way. Yes, the top guys get played well, and so they should do. They're, they're CEOs of their own people. They, they work hard uh, at the top of their game. And I guess the analogy that I can get across to people within the sport is that We are trying to spread the love across 230 players. Where if you think of AFL, they're spreading that love across 880 players. So it is a a small fraction of people that we are trying to look after and make sure. And of those 230, only 12 can represent your country at any given time or 11 on the park. So, Hodgie, it's a really good point you make. One side is going to have to give ground at some stage are the cricketers prepared to give any ground or are they going to push it and push it and push it as much as they need to do you think i think i think they'll stand firm i mean that's what we're taught it's interesting because as professional players and as elite players we're taught to stick together we're taught about team environments we're taught about culture there's no way we are going to break and and go there's no way there's going to be any fractions in our unit why because it's engrossed in us from day one. That's what we do. And people have been punished before if we actually go outside that code. You know, if you break the code of conduct, you get punished. So these are the things, these are the laws actually which Cricket Australia has actually put down. So, mate, the the first day of the Ashes come Brisbane, a massive day in Australian sport, are we going to be putting a a full-scale Australian team out there or could it get to the situation where we're actually not doing that, which seems inconceivable, but this whole situation seems inconceivable, to be honest. Well, that's a completely different argument that I see how, on my direction is, well, if it doesn't happen, then T20 is the future anyway. So that's that's off on a huge different tangent. Um, The only factor is, is that uh, the Ashes, along with India's Cricket Australia's biggest money spinner, um, so for them to take a financial hit and not to a Bangladesh doesn't affect the balance of the books too much. But the Ashes, it does. It's a huge penalty for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, including the players, including the public, including those that love the game of cricket. Um, we Look, we don't want to see that. Oh, look, I'm surprised it's got this far, actually. And Well, to use uh, a cricketing analogy, Hodgie, it looks like the players are digging in and setting Cricket Australia a run chase. Here you go. Whee. Um, so uh, I tell you what, if it extends as far as the ashes, the public will get right on board. Hey, Hodgie, we appreciate your time and your honesty. It's a really difficult one to know exactly what's occurring, but you've explained it in layman's terms, which we really appreciate, mate. Uh, take it easy. Enjoy the tennis, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for having a chat with us, mate. Thanks, Harry. Good on you. We chilly up Romsey Way, where the world's best AFL commentator joins us on the line, Brian Taylor. day, Brian. How are you? How are you going, mate? Oh, well, how are you this morning, brother? We didn't get you out of bed, did we? 
Oh, just a little early, perhaps. Uh, That's a big weekend for you, BT. A lot of footy news over the weekend, of course. The pressure is building on Collingwood's Nathan Buckley. Yeah, it it is. And I'm still not sure what's going to happen because I just felt before the game on the weekend, there was a little bit of a softening towards Nathan Buckley. And I would have thought that if things went half okay between now and the end of the year, that his chances of hanging on to his job are pretty good. But... You know, we're hard markers in the AFL. The people that select the coaches are hard markers. And when you've only got, what is it, five wins for the year to the end of round 13, you're probably, you're probably pushing it uphill, I reckon. We've got the Bombers next week, Gold Coast and West Coast over the next three weeks. Mm. Look, they're one of the sides at this day of the year in what is a close year. So, you know, there's probably Brisbane, probably North Melbourne, maybe Carlton. And now you add Collingwood to that, but can't make the eight. They're not going to make it, so they're uh, they're in a bit of trouble. And, um, you know, being his sixth year, what do you do? It's a difficult one. Last night, apparently, the Collingwood Facebook page blew up and there hasn't been uh, feedback like that for a long time. So, obviously, the fans have started to lose patience as well. Uh, yeah, and they started to pick little things. Like yesterday, you know, why didn't they, you know, play Ben Reid? I know Mason Cox kicked three goals, but he didn't contribute a lot of hours and Reed can play back and forward and all this sort of thing. And uh, so, yeah, they're going to question every decision that's made from here on in. Brian, we've got Nick Rewalt on the winter breakfast tomorrow morning. Always looking forward to having a chat in the lead-up to Maddie's match. Always a wonderful event uh, between St Kilda and Richmond. The Saints had a really nice win over Fremantle. An interesting one, BT. No doubt you are across it when Tim Membry marked about 50 out late in the game. And then uh, a player fell to the ground. I think it was Logue from Freo. Threw the ball back to Nick Rewald, who was saying, hey, throw it to me, throw it to me. Did that. He wasn't the player the ball should be going back to. Nick then stepped away. The ball bounces to the ground and 50 metres paid. Memory goes and kicks the goal. Sneaky, but I liked it. Yeah, I like it too. Old player (laughs) against a young player. I'll outsmart (laughs) you. And uh, everyone knows the rule is you must give the ball back in a direct fashion to the guy who has either marked it or got the free kick. Regardless of whether he's facing you or not, you wait until he turns around and faces you, uh, you know, and then you give him the ball. So, you know, Nick Rewalt calling to it and then getting out of the way of the ball, I think it's just a smart thing to do. I don't think it's all this nonsense about bad sportsmanship and all that nonsense. Just absolute garbage. That's something you do in the in the pressure cooker situation. And if you can earn uh, a benefit to your team by doing that, then that is what you should do. Nothing, No problem in my book. No, and that experience will stick with the young man for a long time to come. He'll never do that again. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Lawrence is the Bombers. He was a little bit disappointed. He said he was in a nice Ooh. corporate enclosure yelling at the glass last night, Moon Man. And started working through the list late yes. in that final quarter. <laughs> he did. He was bringing a few numbers to my attention this morning. Who, uh, does, yeah. who stays and who goes? I think the Bombers uh, have been pretty good. We we lost. We beat Port Adelaide. That first quarter against Port Adelaide was great. Then we had the bye, and since then, everything's fallen apart. Last Friday night, of course, the one-point loss against the Swans, and then yesterday was horrible. So of the, of the top players, Lawrence, who, who, who aren't you happy with of, of the top half dozen, do you think? Well, I thought Joe Watson looked exhausted at the end <laughs> oh, of that really? game. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just don't know whether he's returned to that top form. And, uh, I mean, I've got the greatest respect for him. But, you know, football is a cutthroat business and you've got to look to the future. If we're looking for a premiership in the next two to three years, and I reckon Mm. that we've got a great base there, I think it's time to really move on. There was, you know, the money ball situation there at Essendon uh, where we had players come in last year. I think uh, Kelly 
might be it's time to go. And uh, I, I would even say Brendan Goddard, possibly. Gee, See, this is what happens, Harry. The fans of the game, they just dig right in and they really just want to consume it. And this is what's happened to Lawrence. He's just got right on the end of it. He's getting all fuzzy and frustrated and... He's got a big burble he wants to get rid of there. And yeah, and the, of course, a lot of this decision-making was assisted by Carlton United Breweries as well. <laughs> he did say that he was 12 pots in when he was going through the form later on the night. So, I tell you, Tigger's in the top four, Brian. Nothing better come September, I wouldn't have thought, for this town than if the Tigers can make a run. They're an exciting team. Yeah. Jack's taking hangers. You've got Dusty and you've got Rance down the back, Cochin in the middle. Good for footy, Brian. It is great. Won four of their last five games. Their only loss was that nine-point loss to Sydney, which they should have won as well. So in terms of best teams in the best form in the last month, Sydney, Richmond, St Kilda are the three best. Now, Richmond are my fancies for the top... Well, they're going to make the top four, I think. But I think out of that group, they are a good side. They are a deeper side than last year. They've got more depth. I think... Most of their players have improved this year. You, can't, you couldn't say that about the dogs. You look at the dogs and go, who's improved there? Mm. Well, not too many. You can say that about Richmond. And, and how they're a momentum team. Once things start rolling for the Tigers, they can do wonderful things. I, th- I personally think they can win the Premiership this year without any problems at all with Tigers. And just before we let you go, wow. Brian, big statement there. Uh, the Saturday rub going from strength to strength. Brian's vault. Uh, last Saturday, if you didn't hear, you going one-on-one with Hayley Lewis. Slightly yeah. awkward, but very entertaining, yes. Brian. Did that all go back all right at, uh, at home after that no, one went to air? It's probably not gone down, down so well, uh, but, you know, I'm fraternising on air with these people, but uh, it hasn't hasn't been an absolute winner at home. It may be a winner in your mind, but at home, uh, it's a really caused awkward uh, situation. It's all showbiz. Good on you, Brian. We appreciate What's up for the rest of the day? Uh, look, I've got, uh, I'm doing talk and footy because, as we all know, Luke Darcy oh, yes. decided in the middle of the footy season yep. that it would be a good idea if he took three weeks off being a <laughs> footy commentator and a breakfast radio show host in a dominated footy market. He thinks that's a great idea. Caroline Wilson, the chief football writer of the age, she thinks six weeks in Europe is a good idea as the chief football writer of the age in the middle of the footy season. There's, Wayne Carey's been off for a couple of weeks. Who hasn't had holidays in the, in the footy season? But Jesus, it only goes for 26 weeks. Jealousy's a curse. Well, Eddie's over in Europe. Him and Carol will probably catch up, have a nice spaghetti together in Rome or something. Hey, Brian, thanks for setting your alarm and coming on and having a chat with us. We might give you a call at the same time tomorrow morning. (laughs) I don't think so. This man in charge of a ratings juggernaut, Logie winning tonight. Mm. Have you been paying attention? Ed Cavalier, Susie Youssef, Marty Sheargold. Cal Wilson, Sam Pang, and of course the star of the show for mine, Tommy Gleisner joins us. G'day, Tom. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mooney. How are you doing? I'm very well, Tommy. Uh, have you been paying attention? Just going from strength to strength. It's carved its niche in the Monday night spot, but as the 10 Network uh, sails into receivership, uh, are you <laughs> going to be you're going to be cleared to another station or sold off at half? Slowly, price? furniture has been removed as we <laughs> as we do each each episode. But look, I think things are going to be okay at 10. I, I see blue skies ahead. I like it. Well, I do the MotoGP directly after these boys have been using well, the you studio. Are really, you're girls. really talking up the network. And, 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 yeah. and what's happened now is they come off air and they get their makeup off their faces. Now the wipes have to be left there, mm. recycled for me right. then to remove the makeup Use off the other side. Well, I've always you, thought that about, about the toilets too. Let me no, tell you, that's not They'll good. be all right. They'll yeah. be all right, network. Now, now, the show's going great. The show, has, as, as uh, Moon said, it's become uh, an integral part of the Australian 
Psyche, in a way. Congratulations. A brilliant Thank show. Thank you. It's, we've chugged away for a couple of... It's actually our fifth season, yeah. so it surprised us all, really, that it's yeah. uh, been around so long. And people are starting to make that date with the television on again. On Monday. Because uh, in terms of recognition on the street, it is like, hey, you're that guy oh, from that from, show. Have you been paying attention? <laughs> they they always get the name wrong. Have you been... Uh, it's like, you were haven't you, been paying were attention. Were you watching? Yeah. No, yeah. You, absolutely. And the scary thing is, for me, people saying that they're getting their news from the show. Mm. And I'd just <laughs> like to tell everybody, yeah, thank you, Rosie, exactly. This is not a broad-based... Um, authoritative or in any way definitive look at the, the week's events. You, Please you, read something proper. You've been on the show, haven't you? I have been on the show a number of times the last three seasons. I can't this year because of a uh, contractual obligation with the Seven Network. I have Behave yourself situations. starting tomorrow night on okay. Seven at so, 9 o'clock. So. Can I, I, say, I don't have those problems, though. I, I'm the, sort of trying to put my hand up. Oh, oh I see. Like, you missed that. Seriously, oh, yeah, what, no, like, what do I need to do, Tom? No, you've got to be funny. Oh, right. uh, and be available on a Monday night. I, you can, know? Do, I can do Monday night. Tick, but you've got to get up early for this show, so that's going to push you. You're available around. Monday night? Uh, yeah. Get Harry on there. There you go. He's a good kid. Done. Uh, you must have some massive regret in regards to making Sam Pang quite famous. Yes, we have built really really a monster there, haven't absolutely. we? Absolutely. You've been the wind beneath his wings. <laughs> Everyone wants a piece of Pang now, they don't do, they? They do. But look, it is, it's great fun. I, I genuinely love doing the show and lobbing up questions. And, and I've got five pretty funny people standing by. I never know what's going to come sort of back at me. So it's a, it's, it's, even though I'm, you know, put together the show and help write the questions, I've got really no idea of what the show's going to, uh, yeah, so is there is there a pre-game briefing coach's style where you mm. sort of run through what you're going to do, or is it more ad hoc, or how does it no, work? Pretty ad hoc. I mean, look, if you, as Lawrence would know, having been on the show, if, you, if you're going to be on this week, you'd make a point to run an eye over what Donald Trump's tweeted in the last 24 right. hours. Yeah. You know, you want to be up to speed on the obvious obvious issues because that's what we're going to ask about. But we, but obviously the spontaneity is a, a big part of the show. And uh, there's some obscure news where you've just think to yourself, yes, I haven't been paying attention. Where did you get that from? Because there's so many news sources now. True. But uh, there is, like, it is quite factual too, mm. obviously oh, yeah, yeah. based on the week's news. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's not a hard news source. No. So, yeah, th there's too much news these days. You're quite right. No, yeah. no one can sort of be across everything. And so there's a lot of, oh, I heard something about this, but I couldn't quite remember. But uh, we thought we might test you two gentlemen this morning Ooh. just to sort of, a, sort of uh, see what your general really? uh, level your of audition? knowledge is. I'm going to uh, take you like. down, baby, here. You got nothing. Remember, <laughs> you can go for the correct answer or you can go for a joke. I'll so, go for both. Here we go. Let's check our buzzers, Mark. You'll go. And yeah, I've got the pistol. Lawrence. Easy. The chicken. Right. chicken. Very simple one to kick off. Okay. It was called the Battle of Brisbane. What am I talking about? Lawrence. Uh, the Hornbag versus Pacquiao. Quite correct. Fight. One point. Lawrence. Mm. What was Jeff Horn's previous profession? <laughs> Think, Lawrence. He was an emergency PE teacher. Wow. Two from two. You Not wouldn't sure. muck up Ooh. in his class, would you? <laughs> you yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyway. Oh, I might go for a joke next. I'll okay. give you a go. <laughs> Donald Trump's latest tweet features a video of him beating up, Mark? Vince McMahon, yes. the man in charge of uh, WrestleMania. Well, it's, it's Vince McMahon with a CNN logo on his head, but you'll take the points. Yes. Okay, audio clue. Now, big news a few days back. It started in Ukraine before spreading to Russia, Britain. Poland and the US. What was it, Lawrence? The voice. It's, it's actually, it's, it's, it is an absolute curse around the nation. No, this was, I uh, think, more 
You think more your internet browsing history. And, Ooh, oh, Lawrence. A, the, um, some kind of virus? Yes, the, it's a picture virus, apparently. Hetcher. It shut down Cadbury, can you believe it? Oh, really? Is this the speed camera one as well? Or not? Uh, oh, separate no, virus. separate one, Howie. Separate okay. one, I think. I think that was one of the most welcomed viruses <laughs> of all time. Absolutely. Get the speed camera, it's <laughs> a beauty. All right. Bad news for Adele fans in London. What happened? Uh, Mark. She sang. No, it's quite oh. the opposite. Oh, he's off for a gag, but he's lost well, the points. Uh, she suggested that she may never perform live again because she doesn't like touring. Yeah, when she's can't. Well, it's a medical issue. Her throat's gone. Lawrence apparently oh. she cancelled the last two shows. But you're in the you're in the ballpark, and oh, really? we have a very low bar on the show. So <laughs> the throat are gone. All right, tough week. That for last a, album was sensational. It was, it was pretty good. Tough week for Christopher Pine. What is Christopher the minister for? Defence manufacturing, Tom. Yeah, defence industry, but that's more than close enough. Hey, Tom, you know when I said I'd like to come on your show? Oh, yeah. I no, 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 this, this will get you, you know back Christopher in the game. Pine is a fixer and a maker, he Tom. Is, he is a fixer and that. Okay, Harry, you'll be back in the game with this one. It's been a big week for Aussie cricket captain Steve Smith. He got, in, he, uh, he got engaged yes. in New York to his fiance, uh, now fiance, Danny Willis. Wow, so that's worth four points. There you go. Yeah, so well Information. <laughs> All right, I can take. A uh, does he come home and say to her, "What you talking about, Willis?" <laughs> I bet he doesn't. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, we'll move on. All right, okay. One more. Uh, one more. Take a listen. Some big news from Asia. North Korea has threatened to kill. Korea's threatened to kill Lawrence. Sam Pang. Is, uh, it's <laughs> an open. Yeah. It's a vendetta. In fact, who are they? Who are they out? For? I mean, it's usually it's usually a member of Kim Jong's immediate family. That's but, right. um, his... What about the way they got rid of his uncle? They set mm. dogs on him. Oh, no, it's, it's cool, I mean, it's it? pretty brutal up it, there. Well, you don't. You know, it's called yeah. uh, it's called cabinet solidarity. Okay. In fact, it's um it's the ex president of South Korea. So even even though she's right. no longer in in charge, she's in the sights. Okay, we'll kick it home. She with hears the... dogs okay. barking in the street. She'll be losing her mind. I'm going to kick it home with one. Okay. Final sports go, question. Good luck, Howie. Howie. If you can pull this off, okay. you can have the game. Good. The Tour de France goes through three countries other than France. They are, Mark. The Netherlands. Bang. Oh, no. Not this year. Oh! oh. Can I have a crack? Please. Let's say uh, Switzerland. Oh, bang. No, I'm afraid. It's In fact, we've already had one Germany kicked off in Dusseldorf. Yeah. Germany's a good country. <laughs> said, well, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll enjoy it. this next accent. Yeah. Belgium. <laughs> Belgium's a good country too, Tom. <laughs> and wait for it, Luxembourg. <laughs> ah. ah, Luxembourg. I love Luxembourg. Man of a million voices. Uh, I think Lawrence takes the points. Oh, I think you're right. And Tom, when they uh, discussed filling in for breakfast two years ago, I said I'd really like to do it because I wanted to show them that I know more about than just sport. Yep. I think I've proven that's not the case. Sure. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, let the tape be the record. But no, you, you you played well, but I think Lawrence does take the points. Uh, what do you, what is the, uh, if someone from the Netherlands is Dutch, someone from Luxembourg is? Luxembourgian? I have no I made idea. made that up, but one point to me. Yeah. Done, thank you. Hey, well, Tommy, thanks for coming in. Thank we appreciate it. Uh, are we done, Rosie? Did we, we are take done. A Dangerous break Dave or? is ready to go. Dave's ready to go. Is he going to discuss what he's got lined up know, or we don't do that? Hello, no, no, I'm more than happy to uh, have a chat morning, Ooh, guys. Great you've got a beanie on this morning. Got my Triple M Rocks footy beanie. What's the question this morning for the beanie? Well, you can grab yourself a beanie. It's all 90s today because it's Triple M's Generation 90s Monday. Love it. Well, so, I was huge uh, in the 90s. What's that? I was huge in the 90s. You were? Yeah, massive. Um, so As in weight or uh, in profile? <laughs> no, yes. Just in terms of uh, about town. Right. <laughs> All right. Tell me this. 
which 90s group was better known as the Otara Millionaires Club? Ooh. If you can tell me that, one triple three five three. we're going to play them coming up. Spin in Doctors? The, not the Spin Doctors. <laughs> That's my answer for every 90s <laughs> yes. question. Give us a ring, one triple three five three. going to kick things off with the Bloodhound Gang next. Mm. Good on and you, Dane. Thanks, Appreciate guys. that. Uh, have you been paying attention? 8.45 tonight on Network 10. Good and on it's you, Luxem Tommy. Burgers. Thanks, you were right. Oh, well done. Burgers. Well, well yeah, done August. to you as well, Moo Man. Tomorrow we've got on the show Nick Rewop, Maddie's match this upcoming weekend. So can't wait to have the St Kilda champ on. And Darren, Darren McMullen, your man, you've got a new show on. Yeah, the host of Behave Yourself. It starts tomorrow night at 9pm. Uh, so we'll be speaking to Darren tomorrow. Nice okay. to see you, Tom Gleisner. Thanks, Lawrence. Nice to be here. I'll be seeing you tonight on 10. I look forward to that. Being a big show on the Winter Breakfast. We'll be back tomorrow from 6am. 